don't look back because the market is closed. Good Tuesday afternoon, everyone. Tyler Harrods here with you for today's VRA Investing Podcast. Hope you all had a great day out there today. If you're long this market right now, you had a very good day today. As we finish higher across the board today, yields lower, dollar lower, all the things we want to see on the backs of the CPI data this morning. The Consumer Price Index coming in better than expected. Uh, unchanged month over month, the estimates were for an increase of one, one-tenth of one percent and core CPI coming in at two-tenths of one percent versus estimates of three-tenths of one percent. So slight beats there. It might seem like on the surface, but really good numbers overall to continue the trend of disinflation that we have seen that we've been talking about so much here on the VRA podcast and year-over-year numbers good as well. Core CPI coming in at 4% for the first time since May of 2021. So over two years of inflation now turning into disinflation. And if you tuned in to Kip's podcast yesterday, you know, we really don't put too much stock into just a one-month reading. What's important here is the trend. I talked about this on my podcast Friday as well, that we had seen a couple of months with less than stellar inflation data, but we knew it wasn't going to be a straight-down trajectory on inflation. It never was going to be that way. We've said that from the very beginning. Uh, It's just never going to be straight down. And in my view personally, I don't think we're going to get back to a deflationary environment like most people would expect. We wrote about this in the big bribe as well. Uh, Inflation really helps debtors over creditors because the debt that they have to pay off later is now valued less in monetary terms, right? And the U.S. government is a massive massive debtor. Uh, So they really can't have deflation. We heard it throughout the 2010s from so-called financial experts, experts at the Fed, again, so-called experts. uh, They fear deflation. They don't want to get back to a deflationary environment. So that means we're likely aren't ever going to get back to pre-pandemic prices. But that doesn't matter for the stock market. And one of the ways to fight against inflation is to own assets like stocks, assets like housing. Uh, This is the best way assets like gold and and others. We wrote about those in the book as well, how to fight against this. Because we've known for years, even the inflation data we got today, likely vastly underreported the real rate of inflation that we're seeing. We've all known it. We knew throughout the 2010s that no way inflation would kept coming in at 2% when everything that you bought increased by way more than that. So how is inflation ever at 2%? Well, they've got some very clever ways of financial engineering. But what matters here is the continued trend of disinflation. Uh, we expect that trend to continue from here uh, going forward, but really good to see that print today from CPI. If you've been tuning in with us here, that's about what we expected. Uh, Kip and I talked about it on both of our last podcasts as well. But on that news, 
the market really began to rally. The Dow Jones was up over 300 points uh, in the futures market this morning. The 10-year yield fell to 4.5%. And once the market opened up, the gains just got better for our major indexes and the losses larger for the areas we wanted to see declining. For example, here, the 10-year yield just fell off a cliff today, down over 4% um, on the day, hitting a 4.4 uh, yield for the 10-year. That is its lowest level since September, and the U.S. dollar falling in a big way as well. It may not sound as big on a percentage scale, but go look at the chart. It's a big red candle compared to what the dollar usually does, down 1.35% hitting its lowest level since early September as well. That is a trend that we expect to continue. The dollar really hasn't resumed any type of an uptrend since its peak uh, in just over a year ago in 2022. Uh, and as we see it, the moves lower should continue from here as it's really looking increasingly likely that the die has been cast. This is what we've been talking about for some time now. Yields have peaked, the dollar will resume its decline, and with that, earnings should continue to improve, the global economy continue to improve following the U.S. higher from there. And right on cue, our favorite sectors leading the way today, which is, I mean, just textbook kind of action on a day like today. Semis hitting a 52-week high based off the semiconductor ETF SMH. So our favorite sector, the semis leading the way higher. And housing really led the way today as well. The home builders up 5.88%. HGX, the housing index, up 5.5% today. And uh, this is, a, I mean, to take a step back here, this is a group that we've been pounding the table on here. Take a look at the home builders on the day. I'll go ahead and give this one to you. Our favorite ETF here to track this is the three-time leverage home builder ETF, NAIL, NAIL, up 20% on the day-to-day. -day. As we had Toll Brothers, up 8%. Pulte Homes, up 7%. KB Homes, up 7%. Lennar, up nearly 5% as well. These are some of the biggest home builders in the nation, massive. Massive moves here for them. Uh, got a lot of, let's see here. Uh, I mean, a lot of those 52-week highs, some of those all-time highs as well from that group. I won't list them all here again for you. But again, we have been pounding the table on housing for some time now. And we've taken a lot of flack for that. Uh, people who, uh, you know, we get called out all the time. What are you talking about? Housing can't do this. They, we're about to enter a recession. Think about 2008. What does a recession have to do with housing prices? Very little if you look back on the history of recent recessions. A lot of people have this recency bias from 2008 in the great financial crisis. Meaning here that a lot of people think if you have a recession, then housing prices have to collapse just like they did in 2008. A lot of people, especially in my generation, really haven't seen or, or done their homework on what a recession really looks like. They just imagine that when you have a recession, housing implodes. 
That's just not the case. You have to look back on history here, but you, you hear it everywhere already as housing prices rocketed higher after the pandemic. So many people saying, oh, well, don't get into housing. It's the big short all over again. And then it was, oh, rising mortgage rates. That means housing has to crash. And of course the classic, this is a bubble. It's a bubble in housing. But let's take a look down, down memory lane here because really no two recessions are exactly alike. And as a matter of fact, it's pretty rare that housing is the centerpiece of a recession like we saw in 2008. So let's take a look at a few here. The 1970s had a recession, bad time for financial assets in general, right? We had a recession, high inflation, all types of problems. Home prices rose nearly 130% during the 70s. During the 80s, we had two more recessions, but the housing market just continued to defy the logic people are using today, and they continued higher. And in fact, from the 70s to 80s, housing prices were up over 300%. That's a fact that is not talked about a whole lot when you look at the financial mainstream media. Again, they go to this recency bias, play on people's fears. Everyone saw what happened in 2008. Most people remember it. They don't want that to happen again, so play up that fear. That's what they do in the financial mainstream media. While we think it's so important, what we do here at the VRA, we like to give you the facts, the, real, the reality of what happens there. And then let's keep going. Again, during the dot-com bust of the late 90s, early 2000s, home prices rose on average by 5.7%. Looking back to the last nine recessions now, going back to 1960, housing prices have only fallen in two out of the last nine recessions. Now, of course, 2008 was the big one. The other time, very, very minor losses in housing overall. So even if we did enter a recession, which we see as increasingly unlikely, really, uh, given the strength of the U.S. economy, we remain very bullish on housing here. Again, even if we were to enter a recession, rarely has there been a better setup for housing. Right now, think about it. Most mortgages are locked in below a 3% rate. People who bought homes during the, during the, the zero rate interest policy era, zero interest rate policy era, um, people who refinance during that time as well. We're also seeing housing prices at all-time highs, net equity in homes all-time high, credit scores all-time high. I'll keep going. Consumer net worth all-time high, and we can't forget that over 68% of Americans own a home. Now, that doesn't change the fact that it's in increasingly getting more difficult for people to afford homes, but we can't forget that already 68% of Americans do own a home. So in our view, it's never been more important to ignore the naysayers here, ignore the perma bears, the fear porn people out there. Those are just list builders. They play up on people's fears. They want to get you worked up, get you scared. And at the end of the day, they're just getting your email address thing and sell you some products. That, we've seen it too many times here. And these people, are, they're like fly-by-night uh, uh, roof salesmen after a hurricane. They come in and they go. They come in and they go. Uh, they rebrand, they get a new name, and then they're gone. 
It happens over and over again. We see it so much and really very frustrating. Those are the same people I'm really talking about here that give us so much flack for being so bullish on housing here. But we will continue to ignore them and remain long and strong housing, long and strong home builders overall. Uh, so that said, good day today. Really good day today. Let's take a look at the market action. Uh, leading here, the small caps up 5.44% on the day. Huge day here to 1,798. Next up, the NASDAQ up 2.37% or 326 points to 14,094. Again, as I pointed out here earlier, the semis up over 3% on the day. The semiconductor ETF SMH hitting a 52-week high today. That's exactly what we want to see. As we say here often, new highs beget new highs. Uh, so very bullish there. And today it was revealed Michael Berry, famed for the big short, right? Uh, uh, went short the housing market, played by Christian Bale in the big short, uh, just closed his short position on the NASDAQ and the S&P. Estimated losses there, 40%. Now, I got nothing but respect for this guy, but he has made some bad calls over the last two years. And anybody worth their salt will tell you that. He's been on Twitter making some calls that were, you know, great data to back it up. Maybe cherry picked a little bit to really fit the narrative he was going for. But the fact remains, they were bad calls. And now he's just purchased a large amount of puts on the semiconductors as well here. I mean, taking a look at his last few trades, we don't mind taking the other side of that bet. In our view, it's going to be another painful trade for him as we head into 2024 the setup is just so good for ai to really continue uh the 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 theme of ai at least to continue in 2024 which means we need more we need better semiconductors so that could be another painful trade for him there Next up, the S&P 500 up 1.9% on the day to 4,495. And then our laggard on the day, how nice is this? The laggard on the day, the Dow up 1.43% or 489 points to 34,827. And what we really like to see there uh, is also the transports up in a big way as well. Getting through their 200-day moving average, they haven't done that since mid-October. This is an upside trend. We are a we want to see the transports continue to participate here, but up 3.3% on the day. That's a good start. We'll certainly take it. Now, I will point out that we're now getting to extreme overbought levels, not extreme overbought on steroids, our most overbought designation, but we are getting there on our longer term VRA momentum oscillators. We've been there on the short term momentum oscillators, but we still got some room to run on the longer term ones. And who knows, this market does feel very strong right now. We could very well get back to extreme overbought on steroids before we see any kind of a move lower. And, uh, you know, 
this market does feel strong enough that it could rally in spite of those overbought conditions as well. So next up, we expect to see more 52-week highs. And even if we did get a pullback, our review, our review remains unchanged here. Pullbacks must continue to be bought. We've been pounding the table on that as well and continue to here. All right, next up, let's take a look at our internals on the day-to-day. -day. Really good numbers here. Saw some big beats, advancing stocks, beating out declining stocks, over 10 to 1 positive on the NYSE. Big day. Uh, over, let's see, roughly 3.5 to 1 positive for the NASDAQ. It's, you know, for, we loved watching the internals here. The NASDAQ has been, there's just so so many companies that don't matter in the NASDAQ, the SPACs that have blown up in other areas, that it, this data has really not been as good as it once was for the NASDAQ. Uh, and you'll see it here in the 52-week highs to lows, which came in very strong, over 6 to 1 positive, or right at 6 to 1 positive on the NYSE. Just slightly negative on the NASDAQ here. And I, I, I can bet you, if you go look at those 52-week lows, they're not quality names. Uh, most likely, I would say. Um, but just slightly negative here overall for the NASDAQ with 139 stocks hitting 52-week highs to 162 hitting 52-week lows. So still a big improvement here from the NASDAQ, one that we want to see continue to improve as well. And it is, I'll point out again, as we say here often, you know, it's a bit of a lagging indicator here, specifically the 52-week highs to lows. Lastly here, volume coming in just shy of 90% upside volume on the NYSE, coming in at 89.7%. That's the last read I have here at least. Uh, Might have come in better. There's usually some adjustments after the close. Really good day uh, on the NASDAQ as well, coming in roughly just under 4 to 1 positive on the day-to-day. -day. So overall, just what you want to see from the internals, really good day today next up looking at our sectors on the day we finished with all 11 s p 500 sectors higher on the day-to-day -day. real estate leading the way up 5.3 percent makes sense that I mean real estate sector is made up of a lot of reits uh, but again what we love to have seen is the housing index the home builders just continuing to rip higher here and i also i don't know if i said this earlier hgx the housing index was up five and a half percent on the day just shy of a 52 week high as well and that is that would be an all-time high another all-time high there from hgx again a group we remain long and strong on here uh, after that, we saw utilities leading the way, which makes sense. They're the largest borrowers of debt in the nation. So seeing yields lower on the day helps them out. After that, consumer discretionary. Uh, and I'll point out a couple other key ones here. The tech sector, XLK. That's an all-time high from tech. Again, I'll say it again. New highs beget new highs. This is exactly what you want to see. Communication services hitting a 52-week high as well. That's really a proxy for tech. Uh, this is mostly made up of Meta and uh, and Google in there. And I'll point out Meta also hitting a 52-week high today. Uh, really a lot of good names hitting 52-week highs out there today. So really good action overall. Or laggards, if you want to call them that. Energy, healthcare, and consumer staples. 
Finally here for today, our VRA Commodity Watch. Let me get a quick refresh on my screens here. Gold now higher on the day up 0.86% to $1,966 an ounce. Silver up 3.5% to $23.14 an ounce. Copper up just under 3 tenths of 1% to $3.67 a pound. And oil pretty much flat on the day down just over 1 tenth of 1% at $78.15 a barrel here. And Lastly, Bitcoin taking a little bit of a pause, still hanging around its 52-week high level, not too far off of it, at least in Bitcoin terms, because once those moves happen, they happen quickly in, in the whole crypto space, really. But Bitcoin down 2.5% on the day to 35571 Folks, that's all that we have time for here today. Please be sure to subscribe to receive our VRA podcast every day at the market close. You can sign up at VRAinsider.com. Click the podcast link at the top, and we'd love to have you with us. And as always, uh, be sure to send any questions you have into support at VRAinsider.com. We love hearing from you, and thank you so much for being here with us every day. And We always appreciate your feedback. Or if there's areas you want us to elaborate on, we're happy to do that too. So thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, we'll see you back here tomorrow for the close.